If you own a vehicle with less than 200,000 miles and have an auto warranty about to expire or no warranty coverage at all, listen up. CarShield has a low-cost, month-to-month vehicle protection plan that covers more parts than ever. Visit carshield.com audio to find out how you could pay almost nothing for covered auto repairs. Drivers who activate this vehicle protection today will also receive free roadside assistance, free towing, and car rental options at no additional cost. Get your free quote today at carshield.com audio. That's carshield.com audio. Oh, 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 O'Reilly. You need parts? O'Reilly Auto Parts has parts. Need them fast? We've got fast. No matter what you need, we have thousands of professional parts people doing their part to make sure you have it. Product availability. Just one part that makes O'Reilly stand apart. The professional parts people. Oh, 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 O'Reilly. Auto Parts. As they said in the film, Back to the Future, where are we going? We don't need roads. And welcome to Back to the Future, the podcast, the only podcast looking back in time at the greatest film trilogy of all time, Back to the Future. I am your friend in time, Brad Gilmore, and today on the show we have a special interview. I, I really enjoyed talking to this man. This was a um, this was one I've been trying to get for a little while, and and uh, had to do a little detective work, a little digging to try to find this man's contact information. But I'm excited, very excited. Harry Waters Jr. joins us on the show today. The uh, Man who played Marvin Barry, cousin of Chuck Barry, in Back to the Future, um, who sang Earth Angel at the Enchantment Under the Sea dance. We talk to him and hear his story about how he was cast, recording the song. So much stuff with Harry Waters Jr., a.k.a. Marvin Barry. So let's get to it right now here on Back to the Future, the podcast, season four, Harry Waters Jr. Harry Waters Jr. joins me right now. Harry, how are you doing today? I'm doing pretty good. It's going to be a hot one here in the Twin Cities, but we're all cooled off. <laughs> okay, yeah, yeah, yeah. Does it get does it get real hot up there? Well, you know, it's the summer and we have 10,000 lakes. Oh, yeah. So we get a good amount of humidity. And, of course, in the winter, you know, it's 19 below. So we get... <laughs> All kinds of weather. <laughs> You're on both sides of the spectrum. Both sides of the spectrum. That's well, I, uh, I appreciate you taking the time to join us today on the show. Um, I know you're about to go. You're about to teach a class here just momentarily, not too long now. Um, how, how, long right. have you, how long have you been teaching? I've been teaching about 15 years here in the Twin Cities. Uh, I've been working at McAllister College. I went back to grad school as an adult after I left L.A. for a while and got hired at McAllister, and I've been there all this time. I got promoted. Um, I'm a full professor, and I'm chair of the theater and dance department. 
And is this, has this been, do you think this has been like the true calling of your life? You know, you spend a lot of time in Hollywood, you know, um, movies, television, but is this, is this what you really love doing? I would say it's the next thing I love doing. I will always, always, always love acting. And I've come to love teaching because I get to give back. I get to let all these young people know how to do it well, how to do it right. <laughs> and then how to keep a job once you get in there. Mm-hmm. So, um, it, it, yeah, I mean, I'm sure it's an incredible experience to try to share, you know, your story, share your, your, you know, insight on, on acting and, and theater performing. Of course, you're, you're a stage actor as well. Um, let's take it back though, all the way back to the, uh, the 80s. What brought you out to Los Angeles? <laughs> oh, wow. No one's actually ever asked me that, but it was really weird. I got asked to be a puppeteer on this show by Sid and Marty Croft about Richard Pryor. It was called Little Richie, and it was 1984, I think. <laughs> and there was a, another one of those skills that you should develop as an actor, trying to do everything. And I was hired as a puppeteer to do oh, all, about five different kinds of characters on there. So then I decided to stay because I'd gone back to New York for a while. And then I was in L.A., and then I started another whole series of working. I did regional theater. I was doing a lot of um, guest spots on a lot of sitcoms because that paid pretty well. <laughs> I must say I was pretty lucky while I was in L.A. that I never had to wait a table. Yeah, that, that, I feel that's a rarity. <laughs> you're probably, you're probably a- in the minority on that one. Yes, I know I am, which is really weird some days. <laughs> <laughs> so, so you go out there to be a puppeteer on a uh, Richard Pryor show. I, I never heard that before. That's awesome. And then, uh, right, it was a no, it was a one season thing that happened. Um, and then I guess they decided not to do it anymore. But it was great. It was fun working. I got to know a lot of people. I got to hang out with a different crowd. And then I did a show called What a Country, which was a sitcom based on an American citizenship class starring Yakov Smirnov. If you remember that for the name from the past. Yeah, definitely. Wow. <laughs> <laughs> the late 80s. And we were all from different countries. I was... Robert Muboto from Muboto Land, because my father was the king, and we had escaped because he swallowed all the diamonds. <laughs> so it was. It sounds we like had a woman from China. We had, <laughs> so that was a lot of fun. But this was before cable. This was even before Fox. <laughs> before the for the next network wow so so you definitely you, you, you had you had a lot of success in television you got you got to, got to be on tv a lot in la like you said you never waited a table so in 84 is when you went out there for this uh little richie show around what time did you start hearing about uh back to the future well i have to say it was a very interesting weird association and i sort of like telling the story is i got a call from the casting director to come and they wanted me to, they wanted people to come and sing for this movie. And it was like, they said it was going to be a sort of a doo-wop singer. And so, you know, I got, at the moment when I got the audition, I was doing a musical at the time called The Me Nobody Knows, which, is, which was done in the 70s that they were doing a remake in LA. I was the oldest teenager in the world, but that's okay. <laughs> I could still play them. 
And so I took my song in. I auditioned. I went back to rehearsal. Next day, I said, they said, we want to bring you back for a callback. I went, oh, great, sure. So the callback was at Steven Spielberg's Amblin's, Amblin Studios, which is like his own studio in the middle of Universal. There's, it's all, it's all based on E.T. <laughs> it's like its own little planet. So I go back to the callback and it's just to sit and meet Robert Zemeckis. And we talked and we talked about theater and we talked about life. I talked about being in New York and moving back to L back to LA. And that was it. I went, I guess that went well. I have no idea. And there was, I think there was one other guy that they had called back. And I probably forgot about it. Now, at the same time, I was also up for a TV series that was called He's the Mayor. And my agent was trying to tell me that I should wait and hold out for the TV series. And I told her, I said, let's wait and see what happens. So then I got the call for Back to the Future. And she wanted me to wait for this TV series. I said, wait, it's a Spielberg movie. I don't know what it is, but I want to be in it. <laughs> so I got the movie and I didn't get the TV series, even though I was like the finalist. And when we got there, the best thing about shooting that scene in the dance, the enchantment under the sea dance, was it was the first new thing that the whole crew was shooting. And you probably know the story about that, I would hope. So you, I mean, all right, so you're, I'm assuming you're referring to this is the first thing they shot after they replaced Eric Stoltz with Michael After Jim they Fox. replaced Eric Stoltz. So you never right. worked they had with to Eric reshoot. I never saw him. Okay. <laughs> because they, once they let him go, they had to go back and reshoot everything. And so when they got to our scene, it was the first new stuff. Everybody was excited. We had all these wonderful extras. We had a live band on stage. Now it's 1985. So cameras are not, there's no CGI. So things have to be set up for these major shots that are flowing through a dance hall that take hours to set up. And so what we had a wonderful opportunity to do was to play live. So we were singing songs, the band, the, the musicians would be playing. We'd get all the, all the kids, all the dancers dancing. They would tell us, like, all right, you guys, calm down. We got to shoot now. We, oh, okay. <laughs> it was the most fun you could possibly imagine having and getting paid for it. <laughs> so, so, so there was a live band and you were just kind of, y'all were just jamming out, kind of entertaining everybody there? Yes. Oh, man, oh, that's Because yes. awesome. there'd be long times between takes. And they were fine with it. Um, they said, sure, let's just do it. Everyone was pretty, <laughs> pretty happy, I have to say. And you know, we, we only shot one, the scene in the car where they open the door and all the smoke comes out. <laughs> <laughs> that was the only on-site scene that we shot at Whittier High School in Whittier, California. But everything else was in this church gymnasium and stage that's still there at Franklin and Highland in Hollywood. Oh, wow. So, you know, people can go visit that structure today. So, um, you, I guess it was pretty much an easy shoot, but, um, I always want to know, so 
you you actually recorded the song Earth Angel for the movie, right? Yes, I did. I'm standing here looking at my gold record right now. Oh, that's awesome. <laughs> the, uh, <laughs> the great story about that is I was, they wanted me to do the click track, you know, just for shooting. And then Alan Silvestri said, well, do you want to sing it for the film? I mean, for the soundtrack? And I went, really? Sure. Why not? <laughs> and this was after we had finished shooting. So we did about 14 takes, I think, that day. And I left. Once again, it's like, okay, that was fine. Then when we went to a movie premiere and that that scene happened, it was like, oh, my God. <laughs> That's amazing. And it busts into this full orchestra playing after Marty comes back to life when his parents kiss. Wow. So, so it, was, it was, and thank goodness for Huey Lewis and the news, you know. Power of Love. That's why the album went gold. <laughs> <laughs> but, you, but you got that gold record. I now I could be I completely I could be completely off on this because I tried to find it before we started um, talking today. I remember reading it a long, long time ago. I was reading a book and I, and they were talking about you in it and, and the the making of the film and the song. Were you like originally? And I could be wrong. And correct me if I am. Were you originally like not going to be given credit for that record? Is that right? Oh, right. Exactly. Yeah. We we had no idea. It was just, well, they're just going to put the soundtrack on there. Um, but I, I'm always thankful to Huey Lewis because he insisted. He insisted. He was a great guy to make sure that we were all on there and named. So always something good to make friends with everybody. You never know when it's going to pay off. <laughs> So uh, I think that that's an awesome story. Um, I think that, um, you know, obviously in the movie, you have, uh, I think, one of the most iconic lines in the film that everyone always remembers. It's just a great joke. But, you know, I, I've always wanted to ask you this because uh, I watched the movie again not too long ago. And I was thinking about that, that line and about that situation where, you know, Chuck Berry essentially, you know, steals his sound from Marty McFly. And um, right, which is which is kind of almost a play on on you know you know Elvis Presley in a way you know everyone said that he kind of stole his sound from Chuck Berry. So, but my my right. thing always was in 2017. Now, if that were to happen, you know people are very sensitive now, and I, I think that it'd be a big. I think I honestly think there'd be big backlash. And I wanted to know back in the 80s, were, was there a backlash for that line at all? Like, were there anybody like, oh, well, how dare they? It's, it's always interesting. I mean, the stories around that were two weeks before we did the scene, Chuck Berry had not agreed yet. He had not agreed so to they do the, did, the joke? He had or? not agreed for them to use uh, Johnny B. Good. Oh, really? Be, right. He had not agreed to it. And it was two weeks before we were supposed to shoot it. And he had not said yes. He hadn't. And... So everybody was nervous as hell because then what are they going to do? That's how it's sort of written in. Then finally, it's literally the lad, the eleventh hour, and I'm sure he got compensated well because that's the kind of businessman he was. Mm -hmm. <laughs> um, he said yes, and the the whole idea that yes, this white kid from 1985 was playing this blues song. From 1955, in 1955, was 
was absolutely like, oh my God, you're kidding. Is that happening? But I would add, this is night, it was night, so that's 30, 32 years ago. So also because it was a comedy and it had Michael J. Fox, there was a whole different spin on how it was done and who it was. And I think the cleverness of having me do that line, which of course, yeah, everybody likes that line. Everyone I'm, loves it. I'm, I'm still amazed wherever I travel. Everybody says, Chuck, Chuck, this is Marvin, your cousin Marvin Berry. You know that Miss Allie looking for? Well, listen to this. Well, this, of course, this, the story behind that line also, end of the day, we had shot some of the dance. I think they had just finished shooting the hand as well. It was the last thing for the day. We're off on the side of the stage, all the lights, cameras, this small little space, tight little space. I did the line. He said, cut, one take. And everybody went home. <laughs> <laughs> so you cut this iconic line that people will remember forever in like 30 seconds. <laughs> right. <laughs> and it was done. I went, because I even said, you ever want to do another one? He said, nope, we got it. It's like, wow, well, thank you so much. Yeah. So it was another one of those, there were always those sort of happy moments that just happened. Just that you, you couldn't have asked for them. You couldn't have even made them up. But they helped just making the experience so rich for everybody. And when we went on a tour last, well, the 30th anniversary tour, I was amazed at the number of people who came up to me who said they got married to that song and my version of it. And it's just like, I feel so honored that, you know, it's had such an effect on people's lives, you know, for 25, 30 years. It was, it's absolutely fascinating to me. You know, uh, from a from, and humbling, and humbling, I'm sure. And, you know, from a personal story for me, uh, you know, about, yeah, I guess maybe, now, probably now, I don't even know. Several years back, uh, when I was in high school, you know, I was in the in the choir program, and, and on um, Valentine's Day, the the director came to us and said, "Hey, we're going to do these Valentine's Day grams, and you know, people are going to buy them, and you go to their class and you'll sing them to the girl or the guy they bought them for, or whatever, right?" And uh, we need to come up with some songs. The very first thing I suggested was Earth Angel because of you in that movie. <laughs> it was, and then we sang it. We probably sang that song a hundred times that day. <laughs> and uh, everyone would sing Earth Angels. So, I, yeah, always is a great classic song and uh, definitely a classic rendition of it uh, sung by you. So, um, it was great. Thank you so much. I just, it just, it, it just pleases me to hear that it's still, you know, just in people's world. <laughs> yeah. One of, one of the most iconic, uh, you know, one of the most iconic movies of all time. So, um, you, you talk about seeing yourself on screen at the premiere. Uh, did you on set? Did you get close to anybody? Did you get close to Michael J. Fox? Obviously, y'all had the most scene together. We only had a couple of scenes. Well, other than working with when the band was there. Well, obviously, yeah. um, and when we did the the Whittier scenes, but he was busy. I mean, because he was shooting Family Ties in the day, and then he was shooting the movie at night. <sighs> so people had to give him enough space so that he could rest between setups. <laughs> but it was amazing how much energy and professionalism he had every, and he's like the nicest guy in the world. Nicest, 
guy in the world. So that made it different as well. Um, but we didn't get a chance to be close. I knew more of the musicians better for a few years, and then they all went off to their own musical careers. Um, but the guy that plays the mayor, Goldie Wilson, yes, Don his name Fuller. is Donald Donald yes. Fuller Love. Well, we've become good friends <laughs> so over the years. <laughs> yeah, he seems Maybe like a great because... guy. He seems like a great guy. I tried to oh get him on God, the show he's... before, and and I missed his phone call, and I haven't been able to get back in touch with him. But he seems like a great guy. Oh my God, I am. I am like low key, low energy compared to Donald. He's <laughs> amazing. So when we have done some of the comic cons together, it's like sharing that crazy energy. We like have our own universe <laughs> in our in our corner. But it's so much fun doing those. I must say, with someone like Donald, because you know he's he, he's not an on screen actor anymore. He does mostly voiceover work, which makes him very happy. <laughs> He's not he's not competing for all those jobs on camera now. Yeah, I'm sure that's great. I'm sure it's great not to have the competition. I want to ask you about uh the you know the 30 year anniversary and everything in just one second. Um but before I before we get to that, I always wanted to know. So in Back to the Future 2, you're in Back to the Future 2 as well. Did you have to shoot yeah. new scenes for that or did they just use it from the old movie? Oh, we we had to because we had to shoot from a different angle. So we had to go back and they built a new stage <laughs> because they had to shoot it from the side so he could climb over and also they could shoot from above. And of course they had to match the cameras. Once again, 19, this was 1989 when we did two is they, they did not have the technology to just plug them in. So they had to shoot it and the cameras had to match exactly where they, where he was there was that great opportunity of, you know, this is every, everybody has a, a story about the movie they were in. There was a scene they shot where Marvin Berry was the only person who saw both of them because when I'm going backstage to the phone, I look up and see him crawling across and then I see him on stage and I go, nah, and then I head towards the phone. <laughs> but they cut that. It's okay. What <laughs> happens? They had a, <laughs> it was a big movie. They had so much future stuff to do. Yeah. Which, you know, that's phenomenal. So so okay, so you I always wanted to know if that if you were in like the if they had to shoot new scenes and they did. That's probably that was probably a, a very deja vu like moment, I'm sure, to go back there and have it to do was. That it was amazing. I mean, we were able to get some of the same extras because I always had this little I had a little pack of like nine girls that I told the AD, I said, I need these nine girls to be there. They're my focus. <laughs> I need <laughs> so a little inspiration. Work and <laughs> exactly. I said, those are the ones. They went, okay, we'll make sure that they're here. <laughs> that was one of the pluses. Yeah, I'm sure. So um, you, you, talk, you talked about it a minute ago about the 30-year anniversary and you're going on tour and now you're doing all these comic cons. How was it? I mean, in 2015, it felt like Back to the Future. Just It was just like it came out for the first time. Like It was everywhere uh, a couple years it, ago, as it always is. Was. But, I mean, obviously in 2015, right. 30 years later, so much. I mean, how was that for you? It was absolutely amazing because, first of all, um, there were celebrations all over the world. Um, I am so grateful. I got to go to seven different countries wow. because of Back to the Future. Wow. 
And of course, they had we had a big, huge event at the London Comic Con, which is like you know forty thousand people. Mm-hmm. <laughs> that's quite and a lot of people. It, yeah, a lot of people over three days. Yeah, but you know there were a lot of a lot of different celebrities from all different kinds of shows and movies, um, video games, all sorts of things. But we had an amazing event where all it was like the whole line from Michael J. Fox, Christopher Lloyd, Leah, everybody except Biff, of course, <laughs> at the time, and they were asking people questions. And then someone asked me if if I could still sing the song, and I went, okay. Everybody who's ever been engaged or married to the song stand up. A third of the people stood up. Oh, wow. <laughs> and then and then I got I just sang it a cappella for them. And it was people were crying. I can only imagine <laughs> I, I mean it makes sense. I mean that, that song yeah. it, it sticks out in the movie and you know, I mean it's, I think it's just yeah, people have a connection yeah. with it. Yeah. Right. And then I then I did I did a couple of shows in France. Um we had Argentina. Um, Chile, Jamaica. (laughs) We've been a lot of places. Now, I haven't been as many places as Donald has because I have this job. (laughs) 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 I I, I do have to teach. I have to show up for classes and I have to administrate. So I haven't done as much as a lot of the other people have. But when I am able to get out, it's been a great opportunity to just welcome the fans. I mean, it's it's no, it's no big deal for me. It's like I always feel that I'm giving back because people are so appreciative. Yeah, no, and I think it's awesome that you want to reach out there and see as many people as possible while still teaching your students. I mean, it's a, I'm sure it's a not an easy balance at times. Oh, I got to go to France, but I got to teach a 9 a.m. class in St. Paul. <laughs> I'm sure, you're, times I'm like, sure okay. you're, the, you're the coolest professor to your, your, to your students. I try not to think of myself as the coolest guy because <laughs> in my mind, I'm still Urkel before there was Urkel. I was that nerd. <laughs> I'm sure but now I suddenly have a... Uh-huh. Go ahead. <laughs> they, they, they tell me I have a good reputation. Um, I've been pretty well rewarded since I've been teaching. I mean, um, last year, which is people in my department are still celebrating. I got the educator of the year award for the college. Wow. Congratulations. And I know it's like, I didn't, it's a student run thing. So it had to come from the students. So I'm just, once again, wow, you guys, thank you so much. Someone in the theater department, people in the fine arts division, very seldom get that sort of recognition. It's usually people in the sciences or the social sciences who are really acknowledged, but the fine arts, we do a, we do a lot of work. We change people's lives. Mm-hmm. That's what I say. Yeah, I mean, go, 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 ask, go ask some of the math professors how many people got married to a song they sang. Very true. So I thank you so much for your time. Just real quick before I let you go, is, is there uh, any way if people, so wanna, welcome. if people want to reach out to you and just express their fandom, is there any way people can reach out to you or anything like that? Uh, there's, um, I have a couple of ways. One is I'm not, I'm not hiding. Uh, you can find me very easy. It's just go to, I have an email at McAllister college so they can find me through that way. Okay. And I'm taking, I'm taking a year off a sabbatical well-earned and I'm going to be traveling. I'm going to Sonoma. I'm going to Las Vegas. I'm going to Chile. Um, may go to Tanzania. <laughs> wow. So 
I'm hoping to do some more kinds of research well, there for you my go. teaching. That's what I call it. Yes. <laughs> well, if you make right. it, if you well, make it down you, to Houston, yeah, if you make it down to Houston, Texas, just give me a shout in, in that sabbatical, and uh, and we'll catch up. But thank you so much, uh, Harry, for All taking right, the time. So and, uh, enjoy your class. Have a great week. Take care. Bye bye. Spin your passion into a business with Shopify and break sales records with the world's best converting checkout. Let's hear that one more time. The world's best converting checkout. Shopify's legendary checkout makes it easier for customers to shop on your website, across social media, and everywhere in between. Now that's music to your ears. Any way you spin it, you can be a smash hit with Shopify. Start your dollar a month trial today at shopify.com slash records. You need parts? O'Reilly Auto Parts has parts. Need them fast? We've got fast. No matter what you need, we have thousands of professional parts people doing their part to make sure you have it. Product availability. Just one part that makes O'Reilly stand apart. The professional parts people. Oh, 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 O'Reilly.